0: Please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Doug and Jesse King.
1: Welcome everybody, this has been kind of an interesting week And we've got a couple of different things that we're going to discuss Jesse's in the studio with me And we're going to start off with, with Michael Bloomberg being invited to the White House Now, Thursday on the... I
2: this, didn't know they let trash like him in the White House
1: Well, on, on the 17th it was reported that Wednesday uh, Michael Bloomberg got an invitation to the White House He met with President Obama to discuss uh, upcoming series of gun control uh, executive orders and i'm i'm really confused by this because i know that the president has been meeting with gun control advocates over the last two weeks and in, in series and chain i know that michael bloomberg is the most well-funded and i know most what it's all about
2: executive actions are for naming national parks correct
1: well executive orders are for doing things through the executive branch don't require the act typically of historically else.
2: they've used it to name parks and bridges and stuff.
1: That's some of it, yeah. So,
2: since they couldn't ban guns in the national parks, he's going to write an executive order to rename the parks the Yosemite well, No Guns Allowed National Park.
1: There's there's a <laughs> there's a law that allows the carrying of of weapons to the extent that is allowed by state law in national parks. So, there's a law on that and I don't think that a president acting alone can ex- issue an executive order in any way that would impede on another federal law. Now, <laughs> that's that's being discussed right now because his last executive order on immigration did that. He he made the law says do one thing, he told his agencies to do another thing. The second Lutus step of this is, Kravach, is executive the orders Salzburg impact Mozart executive right? order. Right. The, the, the president City Cafe can't order you to do the hour something. The with president the opening allegro. Work of for him no, he has the, the judiciary, judiciary he has, one. One. has to order me NG. to do something right, or the, well, the legislative. The, 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 the judiciary can can grant an injunction or forcing or, or prohibiting you from doing something as an individual. Congress can add, write a law that impacts you as an individual, but Congress cannot write a law that is directed at you as an individual, right? Right. And that would be a bill of attainment. So that's specific, specifically prohibited by the Constitution. So Congress can pass a law that affects a class of people, the leg- the um Judicial can pass a order that impacts an individual in certain ways in accordance with the laws passed by Congress. The executive implements laws, and by doing that, he orders his agencies to take certain actions. Right? So, so there's the whole thing he's not in thirty to, seconds. To do this, I don't think that he. I mean, he can he can pass an executive order, right? He can order his agencies to, to do certain to. things. But I don't think that he can order individuals to do things. And I don't. I know that he can't order Congress to do things. So. If if they create a a new order that impacts an agency, which agency can they order around? Well, they could order ATF to do certain things. They can order, but when we're talking about, and the only thing I've heard is so. What if he
2: orders the ATF to force all of the NFA trust people to? run background checks on everyone that's buying or selling a gun in every state
1: they could they can rewrite and this has come up over and over again that ATF is going to rewrite what their regulations are and this is in the code of federal regulations this is all agency law right everything in the CFR is agency law that's been ceded to the agency by Congress so Congress says we don't want to take the time to write all of the minutia you're just going to enforce this they turn it over and so then the agency writes all of these regulations and this is stuff that the president has control over is federal regulations of agencies and people who are interacting with the agencies and the way the agency interacts with people okay so they they could definitely go and change the way that nfa trusts work they could change the way that corporations and, and ffls do because ffls are getting a license from them and they can mandate that ffls do certain things but they can't reach out to you and me we're not FFLs, we're not employed by an agency, we're not in part of the executive branch, this is not where an executive order comes in.
2: We'll see, what they're trying to do is say, we're going to sign an executive order, and it's going to say that if you, as a private owner of a firearm, sell that firearm to another private owner of a firearm... You have to go to an FFL and do a background check. That's I, what he wants to do. Yeah, and
1: I don't think that that's possible. I think that he can order the FFLs to do certain things when it happens to them. But he can't step outside because that's really, that's not the executive order. That's a law. That's a law that says all persons have to behave this way.
2: So this brings me back to that Saturday Night Live skit when he did the...
1: No, 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 it's not. Um, it's not like that. Go because, big or go
2: home, you it, know, when the when the... Yeah, the executive but what order
1: looked do? down and saw that itself. Yeah, and he's but like, we're doing that with it? What did that executive order do? It's it told a, an executive branch agency, don't deport people. Which was against the law. Right, but, but the question there was can the president order his own people to do something? Yes. Now, did he break the law in doing it? Probably. Is that impeachable? Probably. Is anyone going to do anything? Absolutely not. But But can the president order us to do anything? No, because this is not a monarchy. Right. I mean, that's that's really where it comes down to. And and if he wants to order ATF agents that when they seize a gun at a crime scene, that they don't release it without a background check. I think he could do that. Or if he said that, um, if, if. They, the FBI comes into possession of a firearm, that they hold on to it until there's a background check. I think he could probably do that, too. But he can't tell you, you have to come in and do a background check if you sell your gun to someone else who's not, you know. And, and there, there there are laws. There's laws that says you can't sell your handgun to someone from out of state, right? So that's a law that was passed by Congress. Right. And he can enforce that law. And if he finds you selling it to someone out of state, he can do something.
2: And those are you can't sell a handgun to somebody that you know is a convicted felon?
1: Or any gun, and the actually.
2: way I keep that from happening is when I'm selling a gun to an I individual, them. I ask them for their weapons carry license, you and see, if they don't I, have I one, that. I'm not selling to them. Well, the issue is there's people that have a weapons carry license, then that's a verification to me, and if it makes me feel better, you can hate it all you well, want. I,
1: I do because I don't think that someone who can't afford a weapons carry license should be denied being able to, to make a purchase. I, I, I just I do due diligence, and I'm ask not them.
2: denying them all all purchases i'm just denying them from me
1: right well you know that chilling effect has a has a impact on the entire economy of gun sales yeah but,
2: but i have really bad luck and be my luck i would be the neighbor of the idiots in san Bernardino. you have a really
1: good lawyers so <laughs> i wouldn't sweat that
2: i've accidentally sold a gun to muslim terrorists that would be my luck you know So then they would go and they would commit some kind of heinous crime with it. And I would end up in jail for them.
1: Yeah, well, that seems to be playing out today right now is the guy who who got the guns for the San Bernardino 2 is is looking at federal charges. So I think
2: that he knew why he was buying them.
1: Yeah, I think he did too.
2: And I think that he was maybe scared of those people a little There's bit. There's
1: definitely a straw purchase aspect to all this. There and that's that's another thing that the, the government can legitimately do because that was passed by Congress and the president's enforcing it and it's been upheld by the legislature, right? And whether we agree with it or not, that's, that's a law. But you can't make laws up out of whole cloth out of the executive of and a lot of executive orders, you know, verge on impacting laws or they change the way the law is interpreted, but they don't make up a new law. And to say suddenly after you know, all of these private sales going on for since the beginning of time till now, suddenly the executive is going to say that's a part of some other freaky law that we found a, a corner of that we can stretch. I don't think it's going to work. And I think that if, if, if it was going to work, he would have done it a long time ago because he's been pushing for this forever. But he can't get any traction out of Congress, even when Congress was run by the Democrats. He couldn't get any traction out of it.
2: It's because they're afraid did really trample the Second Amendment.
1: Well, they they know that it's it's a dead issue. You know the 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 ninety four assault weapons ban did absolutely squat as far as preventing any kind of crimes, as far as but it sure motivated people to go and take back the Congress. You know,
2: it's it's common knowledge that I've had ankle surgery recently, and I was talking to my physical therapist this morning. She says, I don't know how I feel about people having guns in schools. I don't, I don't want guns around my kid. Mm. And I said, you know, in Colorado, they've had carry, you know, where campus you carry, carry into the school campus carry since 2008. And they haven't had a single school shooting.
1: Texas just took campus carry and made it law. You know
2: her jaw drop? She she had no idea because everybody buys into the the bull crap that the media spoon feeds them, and nobody's willing to go look it up for themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the original uh, gun-free school zone bill was struck down by the... the um U.S. Supreme Court. It went back and Congress passed it again following the court's instructions on how to do it. But it, it, the original one was struck down as unconstitutional. And the reason it was kind of an oddball opinion, the reason it was unconstitutional was because for the first time since the 1920s, the court stepped up and said, you know, this has nothing to do with the Commerce Clause. The Elastic Commerce Clause is not something you can stretch Congress to fit everything you want to do and give it a constitutional basis. But the the Supreme Court then, on the second try, when Congress passed it again, looked at it and said, well, you know, there are certain places that have heightened needs of security, and, and that falls into some other constitutional provisions. But you can't call it commerce when it's a school.
2: See, I think that there are places that need heightened security, and those are places that our children are. And I believe that they need more guns and not less, hence heightened security. When our president is talking that he needs heightened security because somebody's made a threat on him, they give him double or triple the amount of men in black suits with heavy artillery, okay?
1: Yeah, we can retire the Secret Service and just put out a no-gun sign.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> I'd like to see him holding one of those and
1: smiling in a picture, okay? Well, you could always, you know, Photoshop Michelle Obama, the one where she said, bring back our girls.
2: Bring back our guns.
1: Well, the, you could, that that was just a... Whoever allowed her to get that picture taken has no conception of what the Internet is or what people can do. <laughs> I mean, you give someone a blank piece of paper to write on with her standing behind it and looking scowling. Anyway, folks, we are coming up on a commercial break. Stay tuned. We've got some other things to do right now.
0: back to georgia radio with doug and jesse king
1: welcome back everybody so when we took the break we were just getting into you know where where our kids are safest and jesse you know you had some interesting comments and you know, this is
2: the reason our kids are in private school by the way it's amen at private school we say to the the person who operates the school we carry and they go okay cool And I go to the range with the kids' teachers, and it's not a big deal. When you're in public school.
1: Nothing lights up a teacher's face like a Smith & Wesson Little Timmy's
2: dad is open carrying on a Monday morning as he's dropping off Little Timmy. And Little Timmy's dad has walked him into the school, and, oh, my God, there's a gun in the school. Somebody do something. Little Billy sees it. What do you do? What happens? Well, little Timmy's dad got arrested in Gwinnett County. This It was like Gwinnett? No, it was DeKalb. It was DeKalb County. And um, it's just a travesty because we have passed bills in Georgia. They've been signed into law by our governor and stricken from our books. He refused to put it in our books. That allowed for a parent who is an individual who has a Georgia weapons carry license to carry into the school.
1: Okay, so let's let's stop and slow down for a second because I think that there's some some things we're glossing over here. First, it has long been the law that if you were dropping off or picking up a child from school, that you were not carrying in a school zone, that you were exempt.
2: And this was if you were in the car line in no, your car, no, right? No, it's
1: not. It's just it just said if you were dropping off or picking up.
2: So you could walk little Billy into school, I, not I, a big deal. I think
1: okay. that it, now that some some jurisdictions said no you have to be in the car line some said no it's involves on what your activity and going into the building is there was supposed to be in house bill 60 there was supposed to be some legisl- some language that said or into a building so that would clear that up whether that was elastic enough to say that you know if you're dropping off or picking up or going into a building or whether it was dropping off or picking up and picking up and dropping off while going into a building it, it doesn't really matter because the other bill that was passed was the, the um, zero tolerance bill which was House bill 826 and this was passed in the 2013-2014 session
2: this was to get rid of some of the crazy zero tolerance crap that was in
1: it changed the definition of what a uh, weapon was for schools so that it was only a fire Firearm and it exempted someone who had a license. So from this being stopped prosecuted.
2: little Jimmy from getting in trouble and being expelled for chewing his pop tart into the shape of a firearm,
1: or or from having a, a Bowie knife and and being in the Boy Scouts or whatever else. I mean, no, this
2: it, is a, a gun, right? So a bullet doesn't count.
1: No, a, a bullet wouldn't count. It had to be a firearm, but a firearm was was what was defined, and it, it used a separate definition. It was it was a, a good law that. Everyone was behind. The governor signed it with no objections. It was passed unanimously in the House. It was passed forty four to two in the Senate, which is overwhelming bipartisan support.
2: And then when it came to putting putting it into the Georgia Code. Code annotated, the official code of Georgia annotated, that's O C G A, it was kind of glossed over and it was, ignored it because it
1: completely flipped out. They the governor claims out. that
2: there's some kind of um, conflict. But I think the
1: reality is the Board of Regents didn't like it very much. Somebody flipped out when they saw this thing, and then it was just, I mean, everything was on. Now, the original legislation had this in it. It had six sponsors in the House. There was one sponsor in the Senate. I mean, everybody knew what was in the bill. It wasn't, you know, like some you know, clandestine secret what's going on with this thing. But in the end, the the governor. And the Code Commission, who writes the code or adapts the code, turns around and says, well, Are we sure we want to put that we in there? don't, don't think we want to put in that in there. So find a way to keep it from being put in there. And it didn't get put in. So so
2: a conflict, which basically the conflict is somebody didn't like it. There's no conflicting bills. Yeah,
1: there's no bill that says... there's. There, in theory, you'd need a bill that says it is completely illegal to carry on a school campus... At, passed at the same time that there's a bill that says it's completely legal to carry on a school campus and then that you can't have it's illegal and it's legal at the same time that creates conflict right what
2: we have is it's legal to carry into the school drop-off zone and, and it's, it's, it's legal, legal to, to carry, carry into the school which is two things that are kind of in agreement yes
1: <laughs> so, they're complementary, not contradictory right. so but that was the argument and so they just didn't put it in so, so
2: this week we have a gentleman who's walked into the school to drop his kid off, he stayed a little longer, and, well, and where this, where's the point this, that you're there a little longer than you should be?
1: This this is the, the interesting thing because if it was just simply dropping off or picking up, you could make an argument under the old law, you could make an argument under the language of 60, and you can make an argument under the language of 826. And you see, that would be the the like smorgasbord that you could do. You say, well, he's dropping off. So is he carrying on school grounds? Yes. So eight twenty six applies. Is he dropping off? Yes. So sixty applies. Is he dropping off? Yes. So therefore, the old law applies.
2: This is if he has a weapons carry license, yeah, which he does. All,
1: all three sections hinge on him having a weapons carry license. But if he's dropping off, he's got three different ones that all apply. And a judge could pick and say, well, he's dropping off, so the old law is sufficient. We don't even have to look at the discrepancy between 60 and 26. Or we can say that 60 is controlling. Or we can say, eight twenty-six is controlling. All three, he wins. It's not this case. He was not simply dropping off. He was doing things there, right? Yeah, he he spent a little
2: more time than a person would dropping dropping off. 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 There's
1: there's not going to be any real argument that he was dropping off. Facts of the case, which I'm not going into in detail, just are going to support. He wasn't just dropping off. He was doing some other things there that he had every right to do. So we've got a valid license. We got him being there for more than just picking up or dropping off. So this is entirely an 826 case. Just straight up 826. There's nothing else to argue. There's nothing else exciting. This is just whether or not the law that was passed was passed. And there's a whole bunch of other things going on right now. There's there's a the case that got thrown out in Fulton. There's a case that was heard in Gwinnett. And mm, then there was no...
2: Since the passing of 826, this is the first criminal case that's come up in, in this situation. We've had several civil cases that were passed against areas or places that had sovereign immunity. Yeah. Where the judges had to dismiss it with prejudice because you can't file a lawsuit against... A place with sovereign immunity, like yeah, you can the school board you office. You,
1: now you can, but it used to be you couldn't because they had sovereign immunity. <laughs> and now there was a there was another lawsuit against straight up against the code commission. The problem is, is you got to understand the difference between a criminal suit and a civil suit, okay? And this is crucial. They have a completely different set of laws, there are a different set of evidence, there's a different set of rules. Everything is completely divergent between them. So in a civil suit, you have a plaintiff, the plaintiff has to have standing. Okay? Standing is where somebody has been hurt. If no one's been hurt, if you're asking for just kind of like a judicial ruling or opinion on what the law would be, they're gonna throw you out because you don't have standing. Okay. Civil suit has to have venue. That means that you've got to be in the right place where the the party that you're after has notice and, and has access to the, the court system. And so that would be which court you're in. And then the civil suit has to have jurisdiction. And jurisdiction says that this court is able to do something to the defendant and is able to hear what the question that you're presenting it because you have damages.
2: So that is location jurisdiction? and subject matter. Jurisdiction. Yeah, you gotta
1: have location, you got to have subject matter, and you have to have standing. That's something that people leave out. Standing is important. Standing means you've been hurt.
2: And hurt in this case would be financial losses, i.e., attorney fees, time from work, etc. Yeah, there's
1: there's lots of things that can get you standing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Supreme Court ruled that simply being a taxpayer Doesn't give you standing to sue on the way that your taxes are spent because it's not sufficient that you have specific damages. And in
2: one of these cases, there was a lack of standing simply because nobody had been hurt by it being left out of the book yet.
1: Yeah, because no one had ever gotten arrested. So, and that's the fear. They're like, well, I'm afraid I'm going to get arrested. And the courts rightfully is like, well, you know, if it never happens, then why are we hearing this? And it's tying up court dockets. We're not doing this. So, I mean, the, civil gets really complicated to get all of these things rolling. And once you get it rolling, then you have to lay out your arguments. So, if, if you're suing, saying something needs to be included in the code, or somebody did you wrong, any civil lawsuit, it doesn't matter. If you have any civil lawsuit, who has the burden of proof? This is the first thing you got to think about in civil, In civil,
2: the plaintiff has the burden of proof.
1: And what is the plaintiff's burden?
2: It is... Um it's not beyond a reasonable doubt. It is
1: and it's not preponderance. Clear, it's preponderance. It's not clear and convincing. You go all the way down to preponderance, which means 51%. Slightly more than half. Preponderance means
2: you got to have a little more evidence than the other guy.
1: Yep. So, but it is the plaintiff's burden <laughs> to prove that 51%, and if they fail, you lose.
2: However, when with criminal, well,
1: now we're it's, into, a, it's
2: the state's burden, yeah, and it's and, beyond a reasonable doubt.
1: Yeah, and here's... Here's the tricky part, okay? So if you're going to do all this civil stuff, you've got to have it all laid out, and then you've got to have standing, and you've got to have your evidence to be more than 51% and all that. But if a person gets arrested, then it becomes the state's burden to prove everything. So the defendant, who is now the person who wants the law changed, right, or law acknowledged, I guess would be more accurate, but the, the, the defendant who wants something to happen has to prove nothing, Defendants don't prove anything. But he's standing there saying,
2: prove I did it, prove that there's a law you have that's against it.
1: Prove that there's a law. Now, this one's a little more complicated because it's not just simply opening up the code book and saying, see, there's no law there. Or there is a law that prohibits it or something. This is where we're going to have to dig in and prove some things to the judge about their argument. Because they're going to just throw up their hands and say, yeah, there's a law. There's a law that says you can't do it. Here it is.
2: And Then we say, well, there was a law that was passed after that that was excluded from the books yep. that says you can.
1: And so we do all this in a hearing. But as we present all this evidence, whose burden is it to prove us wrong? The states, right? So the we all we presented. We if we did this civilly, we'd present all the same evidence and it'd be our burden to prove that we're right. But in this case, we present all this evidence about it, and then the state has to prove we're wrong on every point. And so it, it is so much easier to win as a, a criminal suit than it is to win as a civil suit. And this is the, the proper way to fight some of these things. Let me put it this way. Who filed the civil suit where Rosa Parks asked the the county to change their ordinances about where you could sit on the bus before she got on the bus?
2: Nobody. It was done through a, a criminal proceeding. She
1: sat there. She disobeyed the law. She got arrested, and then they fought it.
2: So basically, occasionally... In order to have your rights recognized, you have to participate in a little bit of civil disobedience. And
1: remember when we had Jerry Henry on here, and he's like, well, we're not asking anybody to do anything illegal. We're not asking anyone to get arrested. And there's good reason for that, okay? You know why people don't ask other people to get arrested? Because then you're you're, you're soliciting the commission of a crime, and nobody's going to do that. We're, folks, we're at a commercial break. We'll be right back.
0: Now back to org radio with Doug and Jesse King.
1: So we're back, folks. When we took the break, we were talking about soliciting the commission of a crime. You know, nobody's going to go up to someone and say, you should go break the law. But the flip side is, is that the... the well, actually, the, there's,
2: there's laws against that, and, you know, you should go break the law. I'm going to pay you to go break the law, and then you end up in prison for paying for the murder of somebody yeah well, like, or yeah. on death row like there, that there's, kelly there's woman conspiracy. That paid somebody to kill her husband yeah
1: there's conspiracy charges that can be brought there's accomplice charges there's accomplice after the fact there's lots of things so no one's going to sit back and orchestrate this although i really think that the civil rights movement <laughs> orchestrated this sort of stuff with their sit-ins and they're getting they're getting arrested and all of that that it was planned but Anyway. So. Know,
2: some, sometimes it was just the four guys that said, you know what? We should be able to eat at the Woolworth's counter just like anybody else. Let's go eat at Woolworth's today. Yeah. And we'll sit there until they feed us. And it was just four guys. And they all four got arrested. So really they participated in civil disobedience together. But they weren't exactly like. Well, that was a crime. Plotting anything but, and it was or plot. having somebody plot it
1: for them and tell them what to do. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe someone said that the only way we're going to get through this is if you go sit at the tech counter.
2: Mm, I met one of those guys in North Carolina when I lived there that was involved in the Woolworth set in in Greensboro. And he told me that they had came up with that by themselves. So I want to believe that he was being honest with me you know 50 years later or whatever
1: probably the statute would have run on anything by then Mm. but maybe maybe he's being honest maybe he's still protecting the person who came up with the scheme he was an incredible dude well i think people who are willing to stand up for their civil rights and who are willing to put their own personal freedom on the line are Mm -hmm. incredible people and that's that's rare I mean, I see a lot of people who are willing to, and I, I think we're going to segue into our membership drive from this one because it's easy. But, you know, there are a lot of people who are willing to go work a booth. There are a lot of people mm-hmm. who are willing to hand out a thing. There are a lot of people who are willing to pay 20 bucks for someone else to join. And uh,
2: then we know one crazy fool that's been carrying a gun to his kid's school the whole year just trying, trying to get, to get arrested,
1: arrested. And they wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole because they knew who he was. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, there's... And it wasn't me. But no, there, it was not. <laughs> there, I want to get that out there. there. There are a lot of people who are willing to do the things that are easy. There are very few people who are willing to do the things that are hard. And I've had... I mean, we, we had um, representative, former representative Tim Bearden on, and you know, we were talking to him, and he was very candid that he was looking at you know the possibility of going and carrying at the airport and getting arrested. and His wife's like, "Don't do it, don't do it. We need you here," and and he backed down. and am, am I criticizing him for backing down? Not really. No. But the flip side is is that when someone is willing to take that kind of stance and stand, then it's time for the whole community to pull together and support them and back them up. And I, I've seen quite a bit of out outpouring of support on this from you know on the georgia packing forum and from people in gco in general well it's
2: also on your business's facebook page because Mm -hmm. you just happen to be the attorney of record Record. on on this case yeah so you've been retained to represent this gentleman in in his defense Mm -hmm. against DeKalb county and um as the the paralegal at King's Law Office, I'm grateful to be a part of this groundbreaking
1: situation here. Well, it, it is it is a, a huge fight. And there was all these people, but when I was talking to him, you know, he contacted me and I was talking to him and we were trying to get it worked out what we we're going to do and what he wanted to do and how far he wanted to go with it. There were people online who were like, he's going to get a public defender and they're going to screw this all up and we're all going to lose our rights and it's going to be horrible it's like just relax then i saw
2: the other end of somebody saying how much how much he's gonna have to pay for a lawyer because it's gonna be stinking ridiculous expensive to to hire an attorney and it's it's not always like that and i hate it when people judge
1: yeah well there's there's things that are get done and there are people who come forward and You know, we we need to band together as a community. And so how are you going to get to know what's going on? How do you know when these things are popping up and what needs to happen? Well,
2: you know, I never knew what was going on until I joined org, And then I started getting these emails that would say, contact this legislator or that legislator and tell them that you will not, as a taxpayer, stand for this kind of abuse. Or you want this done or that done. And let them know. and, And be respectful. But let them know. So, it it got me involved, and it, it also made me more politically aware that my opinions do matter. Because before I joined org, I didn't feel like the politicians cared about us at all.
1: Well, some of them still, still don't. <laughs>
2: Sounds like you got a little cough there this morning. And I'll agree with you that some of them still don't. But But I think the majority of our legislators that help us with GeorgiaCary.org that are involved with us daily care about our Second Amendment rights as much as we do.
1: Some some of them care. Some of them care deeply. Some of them pretend to care because we're so influential. Some of them despise us, but they're the minority, so do they really matter? And that's kind of the the breakdown in any political spectrum. Yeah. You know, uh, one thing that I want to get out there now— And make real clear um, this guy not a member of georgiacarry.org he is not an activist he's not been trying to plot this he didn't know in in fact he's moved here pretty recently from
2: another state hasn't he
1: what what it comes down to is he he wasn't trying to be Rosa Parks
2: it was an accident he didn't realize that what he was
1: doing was illegal at all it's not illegal he thought it was perfectly legal. Right. And well,
2: it, it's supposed to be perfectly legal. and there, They've there turned was, something completely like legal illegal. there was no, legal, yeah, there illegal, was no reason.
1: He had, he, it wasn't an accident. He purposely did what he did, but he didn't believe there was anything wrong with it, that he was committing any illegal act at all. And he was shocked and flabbergasted the way it turned out, because he expected this to go just like any other normal day where he'd carry anywhere as a licensed person. It was no big deal to him. And now, you know, he spent a couple of nights in jail, and he, boy did he pick th- I, a jail to go to yeah i i tell you if well, you went gonna, to the last
2: castle when you're
1: <laughs> when you're not used to the jail system whatsoever if you've never seen the inside of a jail the last one you want to start out in i think is DeKalb county now DeKalb- county is kind of scary too but DeKalb is really impressive when
2: i first moved here we were driving down the road Do you remember my response to DeKalb county holy crap look look at that is that a jail it's huge it's a gargantuan building and it just kind of sits on a hill by itself
1: it looks like something that you would see in a star wars movie that the empire was running i mean it's gray it's monolithic it doesn't have windows i mean it's it's really an it's impressive scary
2: looking and i'm like and they use that for people <laughs> That's almost inhumane.
1: Well, there was a point where there, I, I believe... I know Fulton had a federal lawsuit about overcrowding. I think DeCab fixed it, but that they were getting sucked into it, too. And DeKalb is a massive DeKalb facility.
2: fixed it by building a massive facility.
1: Well, one of the ways DeCab fixed it is by jury-rigging the system when it comes to misdemeanors. I, I was really flabbergasted that i went down to file some motions hoping to be able to get things moving and i was told that you can't file motions for three to six months until he gets a permanent case number i was like well i want to do a bond hearing then right <laughs> you can't say you can't have a bond hearing they're like we don't accept bond hearing motions i was like well what if you can't bond out you're gonna leave him sitting in there for six months and they're like well in 10 days we'll give him the opportunity to just plead out for time served and be able to leave
2: i'm like so basically they're like well you can plead now
1: or sit here for six months.
2: I think somebody needs to do something about that. That seems like they're making those people plead under duress.
1: Well, I yeah, I think that there's there's definitely some screwiness going on there and that It's
2: like we're not another- giving you a PC bond hearing, so you can either plead now or wait six months.
1: This is something that's near and dear to my heart and I think needs to change in Georgia, and that's the timetable for cases. When I was a prosecutor in Alaska, every single case had to be indicted within 10 days. Every single case had to be tried to a jury trial if they did not plead out within 120 days of arrest. 120 days of rest. Now, DeKalb County is saying it's going to be six months before you can file motions. In Alaska, when you got to that four-month mark, the case would be dismissed for want of prosecution. It could not be brought up again, dismissed with prejudice, because they were not tried to a jury trial in that time frame.
2: Wow, well, we need to change Alaska's slogan to protecting your right to a speedy trial since nineteen what, fifty two.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know, it, it, it's impressive, and you hear people squawk and are like, "Well, prosecutors can't do that. Prosecutors in Alaska do it every day." And they said, "Well, we can't. We, we, it's too hard. Too hard. Too much of a burden." Prosecuting in Alaska is ten times the burden as prosecuting here. Lazy
2: prosecutor, do your job. (laughs) In in the end,
1: it's absolutely feasible, and you want to talk about volume? The 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 volume per case per prosecutor there to here is absolutely insane towards Alaska. So, of the two states, the one that would be able to pull it off should be Georgia, and Alaska should be screaming that there's no way in their particular circumstance that they could ever do it. But Alaska doesn't, Georgia doesn't. So, we're at a commercial break. We'll be right back, folks.
0: Back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King.
1: Welcome back folks. When we took the break, I was ranting about the, the slow process of getting anything tried in Georgia criminally. But the truth is is that there are a lot of changes that can be made in Georgia. There are some things like that I saw in Alaska that were insane and I would never want to see here. There are some things that I saw up there that are great ideas that could be incorporated here. There were ideas down here that are commonplace, that were bizarre to them, that I was bringing up there to help move prosecutions along so that justice could be done. And I, I think that getting... A speedier time frame, a, a locked-in time frame from arrest to trial. You know, the the thing that I hear most often is police officers love the idea, victims love the idea. Defendants love the idea. The only people who are against the idea are judges and prosecutors and defense attorneys. The lawyers hate it. Everyone else in the system loves it because the cops want to get into to court and get the person convicted. The defendant wants to get into court to get out of jail. The victim wants to get into court so they can put this behind them. So well, why don't we do something for the police, do something for the victims, do something for the defendants that everyone can agree upon except for the stinking lawyers? Well,
2: this also gets rid of cases that are frivolous. Even some, There are such a thing as crim, criminal cases that are frivolous. In fact, this man in DeKalb County, I feel like that's very frivolous for him.
1: That's one of my big fears is that they're just going to try to do some sort of pocket veto and sit on it forever and ever and ever. But we're going to force them to try this because although there is isn't a 120-day rule in Georgia, there is a statutory speedy trial. You have to opt into it, and it really annoys the judge and the prosecutor, and they're not very nice to you. But I have a feeling they're not going to be very nice to me about this one
2: anyway. They're not going to be very nice anyway. Might as well tick them off, take them off, and take them
1: cookies. Well, we're gonna we're gonna fight this thing tooth and nail all the way down through. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who we annoy or who we offend. This is right, and right is right, and it's time to fight for right and make sure that um, Georgians in particular, and Americans in general, can exercise their First and Second Amendment rights where they choose in the way that they are socially responsible and that they are, and you have common sense about it. These are common sense laws that you can carry a gun any place because we are trusted people who have passed background checks who are awesome, law-abiding citizens.
2: Did you see where that woman that's a, a member of the Obama administration had threatened to prosecute, it was the Attorney General, she had threatened to prosecute anybody who used any type of anti-muslim speech
1: yeah i saw that i'm like
2: um this is against the first amendment
1: i'm pretty sure that i said um at that when that <laughs> happened that i was doing the show by myself that week and i said that if you want to lay it down they'll probably come get me for this show because I, while i'm not anti-muslim at all i am very anti people who would hurt other people
2: I'm not anti-Muslim, but I am anti-terrorist, and my big issue is that most of our terrorists are are Muslims.
0: Yeah. But well. see,
2: they they claim that those radicals are a very small percentage of the people who are are Muslim. They are. So I don't understand why the the non-radical Muslims don't stand up against the radical Muslims. They outnumber them.
1: Well, the, the King of Jordan sure does.
2: Yeah, I like the King of Jordan.
1: There are a lot He's of,
2: pretty cool when he gets in his jet. <laughs> there
1: are there are a lot. And the the number I brought up is, you know, there's one point five billion Muslims in the, the world. If they were all as radical and anti American and anti Christian as the the segment we see blowing up Paris and that, you think that they probably would have wiped us out by now.
2: Probably, but at the same time I think that those people that have the ability to say, No, that's not what the Quran means. You guys are crazy. They ought to do something about it.
1: You know, I embarked on a project last week to read through the Quran.
2: You have fun with that.
1: No, no joke. I, I am going to do it, and I'm going to get all the way through because I keep seeing, you know, this competing things. I'm I, I'm getting secondhand sources, and some people say, well, it's it's violent and it has all these horrible things, and they quote a couple of verses here and there, and then you've got these. The Muslims are like, no, it's a religion of peace, and they quote a couple of verses, and I'm not getting any context from either of them. So I thought, well, let's just read this stupid thing and end. And I'm going to make my own opinion, and then you guys can listen to me on what I think. Well, it is. I think
2: it's it's kind of the the same thing where people say, "Well, I don't know why Christians celebrate Christmas with a Christmas tree because the Bible specifically says that you're not supposed to take a tree and adorn it in gold and blah 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 blah." In First Timothy or whatever, Second Timothy, I think it is. I might be wrong where that is. Anyway then let's, the,
1: let's just, the instead,
2: Christians say oh that's that's a reference to carving an idol out of wood and dipping it in gold and it has nothing to do with the Christmas tree at all so there's going to be conf- conflicts of people that don't understand or, or disagree
1: Christmas tree not a Christmas tree let's just all slaughter some snowmen and, and uh, some <gasps> oh my some, gosh what, what was the other thing that, that they were polar bears. polar bears let's slaughter some snowmen and polar bears and call it this game. is
2: the thing you know Starbucks send their Christmas cups and everybody got <laughs> all up, and up in arms because it doesn't have snowflakes on it this year, folks. That's so they can finish the cups up after the new year. But
1: crosses—it's Christmas.
2: They were the Christmases are for
1: East crosses are for Easter. Doug, Christ, Christmas started the cross. Jesus no wasn't cross crucified without, at Christmas. There's no cross without a Christmas. Of course, Jesus
2: also was not born at Christmas, but that's a discussion for another day. Um. The polar bears, you know, they were like, "Oh, they slit these poor polar bears' throats," and I Ooh. thought it was a joke, right? <laughs>
1: I was like, "Oh no, that's a polar bear with a scarf." I knew it was a scarf. It was a joke. It just got real when really dumb somebody was like, ran "Oh my gosh," it.
2: and this is proof yeah. that our public education system is destroying America.
1: Well, it's proof that people are getting dumber. Idiocracy, the only comedy that turned into a documentary. So how do you join Georgia Carry, Jesse? I mean, seriously, how do you get to be you, a member? You
2: go to georgiacarry.org and you click on membership. And for $20 a year, you become a member of georgiacarry.org and you stay in the loop about what's going on in our legislature along with...
1: And isn't the legislative session about to begin? It
2: is. and That means that from now until April, it's going to be a very busy time of, of making those important phone calls
1: and showing up at important meetings and rabble rousing and 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 like Like
2: going to the range and shooting out your frustration at a at a battleship target yeah i got some of those in the closet those are fun
1: um so you're going to want to be a member especially in the next couple of months so you can see what's going to happen you need to be there you need to make some waves because otherwise you end up with good bills being passed and getting ignored
2: you can also go to any of the local gun shows i'm pretty sure there's one in marietta this weekend eastland Eastlands. gun shows yeah um at the gun shows we have people that are wonderful volunteers uh that stand by and sign people up for membership in georgia yeah. You can also go to any of our local chapter meetings, and you can find those local chapter on Facebook if you just look up Northeast, Northwest, uh, South Georgia. Um, there's a Valdosta chapter. There's a Northeast Atlanta chapter. There's a Northwestern. And Western Georgia chapter.
1: Great places to meet people, mm-hmm. have some food, hear an s- exciting speaker, and, and get involved.
2: Yes, the Georgia carry members sure like their barbecue.
1: Yeah, for some reason. They, you can't get them going anywhere else besides barbecue. That's
2: places. not true. They go to the U.S. Cafe, who's known for their epic salads.
1: Yeah. we we'll at some vegetarians. Yeah, I think that their speaker was a vegetarian that week, which is why. But they went
2: there for two more meetings after that, though. Oh, well. So I think sometimes they just go there.
1: I, I miss Johnny's barbecue, where you can buy a gun and a brisket.
2: Johnny's Barbecue is awesome. We've been there.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, folks, you know if you're listening to us online, you probably really shouldn't be.
2: <laughs> but you can listen to us live if you will contact your local radio station and say, Hey, I've been listening to this show, and they're great, and I would love to hear them on your station. And then shoot us an email at radio at org. Tell us who you talk to and at what station. Give us some contact information, and we'll personally contact them and follow About up and, and
1: do everything we need to to get us on your local station, so that you can listen to us without you wasting your precious data and being able to to listen to us on the air with all of our commercial sponsors and all that good stuff. You know, at some point, you know if you're if you're in the local Atlanta area, you can pick us up on eleven sixty AM. It's if you're great. not in
2: the local Atlanta area, you can still listen to us live on eleven sixty AM's radio um, station by going online on 1160 AM's website and and click and listen live
1: and of course if you're listening live and you want to listen to it again you can go to org and click on radio hour and and listen to all of our old episodes so folks it's been kind of a busy week on the federal level on the state level upcoming legislative session that we're going to be talking about in the upcoming weeks we've got Litigation, finally, some criminal litigation for me to dig my teeth into, and hope that you're excited about it as we are. And
2: this is our last show before Christmas. For, so, from your hosts here at org Radio Hour, we wish you a Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, folks, uh, tune in next week. We will be back with more interesting topics. Same bat time, same bat channel.
0: This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.